If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a frog in a sock to explain logical fallacies. (laughs) I'm your host, Jim. Hello, you're another host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the what's the harm fallacy. A frog in a sock. <laughs> so uh, our Australian <laughs> listeners are loving that. Right. Because it, it is a very specifically Australian phrase. My youngest and I have been watching the uh, the Australian version of the traitors oh okay yeah yeah because you know i like the traitors it's great for logical fallacies and terrible reasoning and this is a phrase which has come up a few times both in this series and the and the first series of the australian traitors and also i noticed on the australian taskmaster right and what it means basically is someone who is kind of manic and like all over the place out of control just like a frog in a sock brilliant yeah yeah <laughs> it's a very cartoonish image isn't it first time we heard it we just thought that person had said a, a weird thing that they'd like come up with their own analogy yeah. but then it kept coming up and we were like okay i've got to look into this this must be a thing so yeah, yeah. sure enough <laughs> it's a thing how brilliant uh-huh. <laughs> so the what's the harm fallacy it's when someone asks rhetorically usually What's the harm? Yeah. When they're suggesting doing yeah. something and they're saying, look, why why not just try it? What's the big deal? What's the harm? Yeah. How what can it yeah. hurt? And and in doing so they're suggesting that there isn't any harm in trying it. Is it the case that they're saying it when there is lots of harm? going on sometimes or the, the yes. possibility of a lot of harm so they're kind of covering it up by saying yeah what's the harm sometimes they're denying the right. harm sometimes they just yeah. haven't really thought about it we talked two episodes ago about one side of the cost benefit analysis when we were looking at the worst case scenario fallacy yeah and how yeah. It, how when people are saying well we can't do this because everything's going to be terrible it's all going to be the worst possible situation and they're yeah. only looking at what is the cost side of that cost-benefit analysis. Right. They're looking at what the worst possible thing that could happen without looking at yeah. what you get out of doing the thing. This is, yeah. in a way, the opposite. It's saying, well, let's do the thing. Don't worry about the cost. It's probably right. fine. There probably <laughs> isn't <fun>. any. <laughs> let's okay. just do yeah. the thing. Look, so all then, the benefits right. we'll get from doing the thing and, and yeah, oh, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. no, no dangers, no harms. It's fine. So, don't, yes, don't even think about it. It's yeah. so... Whereas the other one is all health and safety. Yeah, it's all bad things. This is so let's this not is try. None of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is let's just do it. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. What what's the harm in doing Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of ignorance in the best possible sense of the term. It's either willful ignorance or otherwise, or actual and, and it, ignorance. Speaking of or which, actual ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our first example comes from yeah. Trump talking on Hugh Hewitt's show about vaccines. Mm-hmm. I am a total believer in, in, you know, getting the shots and having it done. And I am a total believer, 100 percent, you know, nobody a bigger believer. What I don't like seeing is a 20 pound little baby going in and having this one massive inoculation with all of these things combined. I like it spread over because, look, our autism rate is at a level that it's never been. Nobody's ever, you know, in the old days, you didn't even hear about autism. And now it's at a level that's so high, especially in boys, but so high that nobody can even believe it. What I'm saying is 100 percent, I want to see it happen. I want everybody, but it should be spread over smaller doses over a longer period of time. So spread it out over a year. There's no harm in that. And I believe autism will go way down. So much is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's wrong in there. Isn't it? Yeah, See, yeah. Before in the olden days, nobody even heard of it, and yeah. now there you can't move without hearing about it. Yeah. yeah. Is that not to do with the fact that it was only kind of identified and then discovered <laughs> and then defined and then? Oh you know, yeah, sort, yeah, yeah. It's it's been a while since we've done one that is fractally wrong, where all of the things yeah, he yeah. says are a <laughs> yeah. different level of wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no evidence of a link between vaccines and autism in the first place. Yeah. That came from the Wakefield study of, like, eight kids, which was highly flawed and lots of conflicts of interest there, was eventually withdrawn and he got, what's the doctor equivalent of disbarred? Um, Struck off. Defrocked. Struck off, that's the one. Struck off, defrocked. Yeah. Yeah. There's no link between autism and vaccines and the suggestion that oh we never used to hear about autism yeah it was identified and in those days was called canna syndrome Uh around when trump was born 1943 oh wow so yeah in his childhood he didn't hear a lot about it and it it became called autism but still wasn't what we now know as autism it's kind of now generally canna syndrome is what's thought of as classic autism, which until the right. DSM five right. in two thousand thirteen, yeah. till they changed the flavour, yeah, yeah, that that was kind of largely what people meant when they were talking about autism, and it was a there was about they reckoned about twenty eight million, I think, cases, right. so somewhere in the region of one in three hundred people. Wow. Yeah, the DSM five and subsequent diagnostic manuals and and similar things in in different countries broadened the definition of autism to take in the spectrum disorder and also people got a lot better at diagnosing it and so yeah now there's a lot more people who have autism spectrum disorder who identify as being on the autism spectrum because they are better at diagnosing it the description is much broader the symptoms are better understood now trump is correct in saying that it is more commonly diagnosed although he didn't say this he said it's you know, you see it in, in boys. It's much more commonly diagnosed yeah. in boys than girls to mm-hmm. to kind of four to yeah. one-ish ratio. Yeah. There's some argument that that's a genuine dimorphism, essentially, right. of, of yeah. genders. But there's quite a lot of evidence that it's just that girls present differently. And so right, okay. doctors are much worse at diagnosing autism in uh, girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, if they live in a world where the consensus is boys get it more, then they will dismiss it 
that much. Yeah. Uh, or they, they will, it will be harder for them to diagnose in, yeah. in girls. Typically, girls are diagnosed around two to three years older than boys mm. when it is seen. So either it takes that much longer for someone to identify it or doctors are that much worse at diagnosing it. Yeah. But the current frequency of autism diagnoses is around one in 100 people. Wow. Okay. Expert, some experts think that's still underdiagnosed to some significant mm-hmm. extent mm-hmm. so the diagnosis has increased so yeah in the last kind of decade and a half by yeah. a factor of three in terms of how yeah. prevalent we are aware of it being the chances yeah. that that's actually changed like how many people experience those symptoms is very yeah. unlikely it's likely that that was right. always the case we spot it better now we're better at looking yeah, for it yeah. and knowing and it's what it the is. usual trump thing pointing at a bunch of numbers over there and yeah. then saying and 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 that's caused by some issue that creates popular voting in my yeah. favor over here yeah, yeah. so the other part of the fractal wrongness is to say it's to do with the vaccines but furthermore it's to do with, with all the vaccines being mixed up altogether well, more to the point, he says it's about a £20 baby being given all of them vaccines in one massive, like, dose. Like, he's picturing a kind of yeah. horse syringe with full of lots <laughs> yes, of different like, vaccines, and it's all like just a, pumped like into the child. Pump. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. And they're just, they're just inflated in a cartoon back to the yeah. Tex Avery. Yeah. And he suggests... Instead of doing that, we should spread them out every year. Where's the harm in that? Yeah. However, if you look at what actually happens with vaccines, they're spread out mm. over more than a year. Mm-hmm. There's a vaccine schedule, yeah. as parents of young children will know. Yeah. You don't just go in once and have a massive vaccine. <laughs> pumped full of stuff. There's yeah. things that they vaccinate at birth, at one month, at two months, at four months, yeah. at six months, at nine months, at 12 months, and at 15 months. There are... Uh, vaccine appointments you don't necessarily have an injection at each one of those times but for example whooping cough diphtheria and tetanus you have three doses of that possibly four a booster dose when you're kind of 15 months the polio vaccine again in multiple doses the measles mumps and rubella you don't tend to have until you're one that's the first dose then there might be another one when you're between four and six it's a kind of animation myth that you get a giant needle with all of the vaccines in at yeah. one point yeah. when you're a baby. Which instantly doubles your weight of the baby. Yeah. What yeah. he's advocating yeah. for is, in fact, what happens. It's, it's multiple vaccinations spread out over time. And it's not because giving them all in one go would make you autistic or would do bad things for you. The reason is because they are given at times when your baby is most likely to be exposed to particular diseases and when those vaccinations will be most effective at preventing those things. But it's important to have those vaccines on that schedule. They've worked this out carefully to be the best way of protecting people. (laughs) Yeah, They aren't giving you lots and lots of vaccines all in one go for fun or because they don't want you to keep coming back or anything like that. They're doing it in multiple doses. And they're not applying the what's the harm fallacy. They're not going, let's just bang them all in the baby now. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Let's just whack them in now and that will sort them out for life you know forget when they go to kindergarten forget when they first start school let's just bang them all in now and they won't they might wear off they might not yeah 
What's what's the harm and, in trying? Well, and well, no, the it's harm. all been thought out over <laughs> a long period of time. As we'll uh, explore in this episode, there are there do tend to be harms to the ones we're talking about, and the harm in this case is yeah. that yeah. Um, when you talk about stuff like this and advocate this kind of thinking aberrant behavior yeah there are many parents who who listen to that and think oh yeah okay i can spread out my child's vaccinations further than the vaccination schedule suggests yeah and that'll be better for them and you know it won't it won't hurt there's no harm yeah but that means that they are vulnerable to getting those diseases because they have their first dose yep. and they don't have their yep. second dose when it's needed to boost that immunity. So yep. they are then vulnerable so to, to getting the first that one disease. Is, is less effective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then some of those diseases are fatal. So that's pretty fucking harmful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all. And also, if you don't kind of join in with the schedule, then there must be a point where, or there might be a point where your child is infected and carrying the the thing beyond the point at which people are or prior to the point at which they're vaccinated because you're not belonging to the schedule so you could be infecting all sorts of other people absolutely before they're protected by the next in the schedule yeah because kids mix at kindergarten and so on with kids who aren't all exactly the same age as them yeah (laughs) our second example from trump he's talking at a rally in 2020 about a thing he was very proud of saying prior to Mm. being elected. It was his pitch to the African-American community. I said it to our great African-American community. I said, what do you have to lose? You have the most crime. You have the worst education. You have the lowest home ownership. You have all these horrible statistics I'm reading. And then I said, what do you have to lose? Now the African-American community has the lowest unemployment numbers in the history of our country. They have the best employment numbers in the history of our country. They have their best poverty numbers in the history of our country, in the positive sense. (laughs) So he snuck in a a nice little inconsistent comparison there. Because he starts off by talking about how African-Americans have lower employment, rates of housing, ownership, yeah. education, and higher yeah. crime. Crime rates, yeah. Than other ethnicities. Yeah. And then he says, now, in 2020, they have lower unemployment than they've ever had, which isn't the same thing. Yeah. They still had, at that point, and still do have, the lowest employment. That didn't yeah. change at all. And, in yeah. fact, at the time when he said they have the highest unemployment of all the eth- uh, ethnicities... It was still lower than it had ever been, and it had yeah. been trending downwards since pretty much the beginning of the Obama government. Right. That was the same with African American poverty and home ownership. Poverty was trending downwards, home ownership was trending upwards. Mm-hmm. The trend basically continued under Trump. He didn't do anything. Yeah. It didn't he no. didn't affect it in any way. He didn't fuck it up, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like until <laughs> COVID. That really super fucked yeah, yeah. it all up. <laughs> But (laughs) he didn't do anything that made a difference. And even if he was right in saying, like, your life's shit, what have you got to lose voting for me? Give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, the reason that those things had previously been trending in a positive direction was the previous democratic administration so voting is like it's like you clearly voting for democrats isn't working try something different essentially and yeah Yeah. that is first of all even if we ignore the harms that came with voting for trump 
the very, very many yep. and very clear harms that I think we've elucidated quite dramatically yeah. over the course of this entire <laughs> podcast. Yes. Um, even if we ignore all of those, if you put those to that's one side still only moment. one side yeah. of that cost-benefit analysis. The point, surely, is what benefit do you also get from doing that thing? Yeah, yeah. He shouldn't be so proud that his best argument to the African-American community is, how bad could it be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad for you now. Yeah. That's right. Why not just vote for me? Might get better. Could well, be worse. Can't be worse, can it? Yeah. Look can't how shit it is now. now. Yeah, yeah. Can't be worse. Yeah. And... Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. Actually, somehow that may put me in mind of the Brexit argument. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of, you know, how much worse could it possibly be? Just vote for me. It'll be fine. So that, and, and also, given that we're currently learning because of the current COVID inquiry, yet more about how completely incompetent, ill-prepared, underskilled, and utterly incapable of deciding, leading, and caring about anyone other than themselves this government truly was, <laughs> we're going to take a quick trip back to Barnard Castle in the spring of 2020. And here's Nigel Farage telling us at the time how we could have just forgotten all about it if only Dominic's explanation had been a little less see-through. And yes... We did go out for a drive, we did walk through a wood, we did sit by a river, we didn't come into contact or breach social distancing rules. It was a minor breach and we're sorry. Do you know what, if he'd said that, I reckon most of us would have said, well, do you know what, we might have just pushed the rules a little bit here and there and, hey, where's the harm? In a situation like this, had we had a little bit of honesty from Dominic Cummings... I think public opinion would have said, yeah, all right, fair enough, let's just move on. I don't think he would. <laughs> no, because, it's, I mean, again, this is, there's so many layers of fractal wrongness yeah. in there that it's kind of, apart from the annoying thing we said, do you know what? I think people would have said, do you know what? So there's <laughs> that. And then he gets really angry that, that you know, public opinion would have would have moved on. Well, except which public is that? <laughs> yeah, and kind of yeah, what's the harm in bending the rules? If he'd have said, "Okay, I bent the rules," we would have all said, "Ah, yeah, we all did that." Was the harm? The thing was. <laughs> He bent the rules. He made up some ridiculous fucking excuse for doing what he did, which the police then didn't investigate, or they saw no reason to investigate, yeah. and, and and Boris saw no reason to fire him as a result. So that even if he'd been a bit more honest, we, from Cummings, are we going to get that? I, I where's, mean... <laughs> and where's the harm in bending the rules? Well, the harm in the bending the rules was people were going to die. Yeah. So if if you're pitching one guy's breach of the rules and then to say, yeah, I broke the rules, but we've all broken the rules, so where's the harm in that? That's But that's the point. That yeah. was the rules were no, in the, place. The fact that he people. made up a, an absurd excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't yeah. the big deal. That made it more no. newsworthy and more fun to talk about. And yeah, and yeah, meant yeah. he made it onto more comedy news shows. But yeah. it that wasn't what everyone was complaining about. No. That every, everyone wasn't going, Oh, I can't believe he told us that it was an eye test. It's no. massive it was, talky Can't believe yeah. that he went off 
on a jolly with his family when he was supposed to be locked down. That yeah, was the problem. He was the, he was the architect of the yeah. lockdown idea. He was the advisor. He was the you know unelected Machiavellian advisor. Farage is yes, precisely missing the point. Well, deliberately, and I think he's he's employing the, the the fallacy of the "what's the harm? Where's the harm? There's no harm in it." Is it makes you dismiss what's gone on? Yeah, and he's compared his indiscretion with other people's indiscretions. So to say, we've all done it. We all bent the rules. Well, no, we didn't because. Some people didn't go and visit dead and dying relatives yeah. because of the rules. And there's Dominic Cummings, and to get him to say, "Oh, I just bent the rules, but I didn't. I didn't meet anybody. But you know, we stayed dis- socially distanced from other visitors to this tourist spot in Durham." It's a victimless crime. Speaking of the kind of victimless crimes thing, I was I couldn't quite find a good example of it. But yeah, in the court case that Trump has currently underway in new york right each of the family have repeatedly said that the banks got all the money Mm. back no one was complaining essentially it's not quite the same as what's the harm but they were saying you know the banks almost yeah yeah, the banks gave us the loans they got paid back nothing bad has happened essentially so why are you prosecuting us for just breaking the law in a way that nobody has complained about up to now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've all overvalued our properties by billions of dollars uh-huh. in order to get a loan. We've all done that. Yeah. You know, let's just move on. What does it let's matter? Let's get past this. What does it matter? Yeah, well, the rules are there because they and they apply to everybody. Well, that's that's the deal, isn't it? That's that's the thing. Mm. So the second example, when I was looking at this up, I misremembered a comedic website publishing a story as being the truth and it was <laughs> it was it was suella and i was kind of thinking hang on i've heard suella braverman say yeah where's the harm turns out it was a complete spoof news story but it was based on um the story in 2020 early 2023 where following a complaint on the 24th of february police acted against a suspected hate crime in the white heart pub in grays in essex Big vote leave community. Former landlady Bernice Riley talks about the police remo- removing dozens of golly dolls. And we've got good people in here, right? And they are upset that the gollies were taken, right? And I am upset that my gollies were taken. They were doing no harm, right? If people don't like it, they didn't have to come through my door, right? Uh, they were doing no harm on a shelf. Right, I didn't have them in the windows. Right, I had them on my shelf, so you'd have to come through my pub to see them. Right, and many, many people liked them, loved them. In fact, honestly, I can't understand why. It's obviously straight out of central casting. Right, it's that, that <laughs> kind of that kind of voice on display in her pub were dozens of golly dolls and she can't see that where's the harm well yeah. they, they weren't doing anyone any harm you know you didn't have to come in if you didn't yeah. like it loads of my regulars in. are racists yeah. it's fine yeah. they <laughs> exactly. don't mind them at all they love them <laughs> they love them they bloody love them <laughs> yeah so the so the political bit is that you probably won't be surprised to hear that suella braverman because she was the Home Secretary at the time, wasted no time in seizing an opportunity to stir the culture wars woke pot 
and holds the police to task. A Home Office source told Sky News that Suella Braverman regards this raid as a waste of police resources. And the quote then was, the Home Secretary's views have now been made very plain to Essex police, so they're under no illusions. Police forces should not be getting involved in this kind of nonsense, they said. It's about tackling antisocial behaviour, stopping violence against women and girls, attending burglaries and catching criminals, not seizing dolls. So this, but the thing is that this is, it's the kind of stuff that is antisocial behaviour. If you're in a community and you're displaying these things which are, the kind of thing that if it were broadcast on the the BBC as part of their kind of archive series, it would come with an on-screen warning that says, this broadcast reflects the mores of the times. Yes, absolutely. Some of the yeah. things are now off- deeply offensive and are um, defined as hate crimes. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what a golly doll is, essentially they are menstrual characters. They're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. rag dolls are made up in blackface, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, they were yeah. popular dolls in the yeah. kind of 40s and 50s. They were yeah. in... There's one in the original Noddy series, the Ian Blyton books. Yes, yes, yes. The reason this is weird as a culture war in 2023 yeah. is because this was a thing that would have been a culture war if culture wars had existed back in the 80s. It was then yeah. that there used to be a character on Robinson's Jam. Yes, was yes. You could save up the labels and send off, yeah, for send a, them off. A, a, a button badge. But that was of, taken of off the jars in the 80s because people were like, actually, this isn't cool. Yeah. This is yeah. this is stereotypical. It's racist. It makes people uncomfortable. And, you know, we should just get rid of it. Everyone kind of basically agreed at the time. Now is, yeah, now it's is with, you know, thing. people have had yeah, enough yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that yeah. this woman had golly dolls on the shelves of her yep. pub for the next 40 years after that yeah, yeah, yeah. is yep. fucking insane. See, I've got a horrible feeling that the, the Robinson's gollies off their jams didn't disappear until the early 2000s. No way. I think so, yeah. I've, I read it not long ago that it was, and I was astonished, it was like 2002 or something where they decided to get rid of them. I'm hastily trying to find <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah. <laughs> well, we're back, listeners, from our little uh, excursion onto the internet to find out what was going on with the gollies. And it turns out that Greater London Council boycotted Robinson's Jam in 1983 over the gollies oh. on their packaging. Mm-hmm. But they, mm-hmm. they survived that. The, the gollies disappeared yep. from TV advertising. In fact, adverts in general, like print and TV, in yep. 1988, but stayed on the yep. jars. And they were still, in fact, yep. giving out kind of pin badges that you could send away from until yeah, yeah. 2001. I know. And that was really too late because clearly yeah. it had been a thing in popular culture. We'd been talking about it for nearly 20 years by that point. Yeah, yeah. At, at that point, even they were like, yeah, okay, fair enough. This is, you know, this, yeah, yeah. this yeah. Uh, character that we've had on as our brand for... Yeah. You know, 80 years at that point. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get rid of it. Still, 20 years later Time's than that, on. this yeah. pub landlady yeah. is like, what's the problem? Well, yeah, yeah. And Suella Braverman is using it as an excuse to bash the police yeah. by just saying, you should be catching criminals and dealing with antisocial behaviour, not seizing dolls 
I think, okay, well, yeah, but it is fundamentally antisocial behaviour. Yeah. It makes it unsafe in that area to be anything other than white and racist and a Brexiteer. And to to straw man it by saying yeah. you're yeah. just seizing dolls. <sighs> the political machinations of, Su- of Suella Braverman know no bounds because the Home Office source said this, and that story ran in all of the right-wing press. Mm. And after it did, senior officials from the Home Office Communications Unit, according to sources, <laughs> not sure if it's the same source that, that told us what the secretary's, Home Secretary's views were, contacted the Essex counterparts in the police and to apologise. And the the Essex police says the Home Office have apologised to us. We've had an acknowledgement from the Home Office that there hasn't been any reprimand. You think, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's it's Suella Braverman's personal leadership bid to say, yes, I'd all to allow the right-wing press to run a story that says a source from the Home Office said, I'm very unhappy with this, they should just be doing this, stirring the the anti-police culture wars and the anti-woke culture wars. Yeah, yeah, and it was, her just, it was just her being able to get a quote in the paper without actually yes. doing anything at all. Yeah, yeah. And then the Home Office, the very sources that released that, said no, it, she, it, she didn't do that. She said it, but she didn't do any. There was no reprimand to the police. You know, there was no. No. Although it's her job to essentially tell the police what to do, she wasn't yeah. in saying they did it wrong, telling them they'd done it wrong. She was just yeah having <laughs> the benefit of saying that in public. <laughs> yeah. and then you Telling us to get all they done Erase the pain, put them back in Longing for election and spin A ticker pen in the balance sheet box Quick release under the locks Just another voter line longing to be free A ticker pen is all right on me Now there's no harm done Harm done, harm isn't done Until the harm is done to me there's no harm done, harm done, harm isn't done until you see the wild Pharisee. That cheerful band hate breed there <laughs> with a stroke of red with the brilliant chorus, there's no harm done unless the harm is done to me. Ah. In The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from the brilliant podcast... Be Reasonable, from Ooh, our yeah. good friend Marsh. Yeah. Who every episode interviews a nutter, or as, <laughs> as as he puts it, someone with beliefs outside of the mainstream. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is an anagram for a nutter, isn't it? Yeah. And he asks them genuine questions, and here's why they think, why they believe what they believe, and what engages he do, what them he in does conversation. Is, is he pays out enough rope to <laughs> but, allow yeah, them absolutely. to hoist but themselves it's very, by their own. It's very non-confrontational. Yeah. It's an excellent yeah. podcast. And this particular episode, he was talking to a lady who does tarot readings, and mm-hmm. she also does um, 
astrological tarot readings, which somehow incorporate oh, yeah. two bunches of bullshit. stars. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And so he was talking to her about horoscopes, and and she was saying, "Well, you know, horoscopes are really just a bit of fun; they don't mean anything." Whereas tarot, yeah. exactly. And I think uh, you know everyone understands that, and that's fine. Uh, and he made this point. I think people will start at a low level acceptance of horoscopes because of its being so suffused throughout the culture. Um, and then we'll use that to, when when they want to get something that they think is actually really accurate, we'll start to move towards the more uh, full readings and then move away from the general readings as a result. But they may never have ever gone to those full readings had they not been constantly exposed to, to horoscopes that people don't take seriously. So newspaper horoscopes are gateway drug. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can see an argument for that. I can see an argument for that. Hmm. Um, it's not something I'm overly concerned about. But um, I think if I were, I think I, I can see why coming from your perspective, that feels like more of a thing. Hmm. But for me, I think that it's, there probably aren't that many people doing that. Yeah, and yeah. and that I don't necessarily have a problem with people believing what they, you know, like it's, I, I don't, yeah, I feel like it. And if it's helpful to them, I, I, that's the other thing that I guess I, I kind of, I think that if these things are genuinely helpful and beneficial, then, you know, what's the problem? That's the harm. <laughs> well, that's the problem. I think if they are genuinely helpful and beneficial, <sighs> how do you measure the genuineness? Well, that's a good question. Helpful and beneficial and this is the thing that comes up in in terms of alternative medicine as well when people say well you know yeah okay so maybe homeopathy doesn't actually work but you know if someone gets some benefit if someone feels like their pain has gone away a bit if whether it's what people want to call the placebo effect or whatever or just just regression to the mean their pain goes away and they associate that with homeopathy and feel it's beneficial to them what's what's the problem you know, yeah. why is it an issue? Yeah. And part of the reason it's an issue for something like homeopathy is that they then believe a thing which isn't true about an alternative medicine yeah. and then are more likely to believe other alternative medicines are also beneficial to them in some way. And also believe that mainstream medicine yeah. isn't. Absolutely. And so yeah. uh, maybe over the course of everyone who believes this, there are going to be some people who get something serious and use stuff which definitely won't help them to mm. do it instead of yep. proper medicine and yeah. they will be harmed by it or they will yeah. encourage other people to use alternative exactly. medicine yes. who will yes. be harmed by it. And in the same way yeah. with horoscopes, tarot readings, I mean, I think Marsh pretty much said it at the beginning of that. He, he was saying people will see horoscopes and even if they see it as something silly and don't, take it seriously they are reading it and kind of a bit believing it to the extent that when they then see astrological tarot they think oh yeah i kind of i pay it you know i know my star sign i pay a bit of attention to that this seems like just a bit of an extension of that and then you know full tarot readings and then seeing a medium seeing psychics and so on it leads you down the path of believing untrue things which gets to a point of you being exploited, gets to a a point of you potentially leading others into being exploited. 
about things that aren't true. Of course, the, the tarot reader is saying, well, yeah, where's the harm in that? Yeah. Because that's how she makes a living. Absolutely. So our second example is from Back to the Future 2. And this oh, yeah. is where Marty has picked up in the future the yep. sports almanac. What's this? Uh, it says souvenir. 50 what? years of sports statistics. Hardly recreational reading material, Marty. Well, hey, Doc, and what's the harm in bringing back a uh, little info on the future? Now, maybe we could place a couple bets. Marty, I didn't invent the time machine for financial gain. The intent here is to gain a clear perception of humanity. Where we've been, where we're going, the pitfalls and the possibilities, the perils and the promise. Perhaps even an answer to that universal question. Why? Hey, Doc, I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? And we all know what... Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Trump, where Trump that led to, the, obviously, yeah, was, was Biff, Biff getting Biff hold talent. of it. And, yeah, yeah that's... Marty's dad getting killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah all His bad things. Getting a, a boob job. Yeah, arguably, things. those things happened because Doc wouldn't let Marty take the um, almanac back to the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. And therefore, Biff got hold of it through his older, older self. self. They yeah. could have had a narrative where where he did take it back, and then it got into Biff's hands anyway. Because that's really was the issue. Even even older Biff, who is not the smartest, yeah. could yeah. predict that there was a danger of it falling into the wrong hands. And so when he travelled back to 1955 and gave it to young him, he was yeah. all kind of, you know, don't let it out of your sight, make sure, put it in a safe, lock it up. Because he, he recognised its value and recognised yeah, yeah. that if someone else yeah. got it, they could exploit it. So the yeah. harm in that case was arguably very predictable and Dot Brown yeah. was against taking that risk in some cases yeah. the harm may not be quite as predictable but still exist such as in our next example which is from the good place yeah. 30 minutes chidi we've been trying to pick a bar for 30 minutes it is literally impossible to be your friend you're incapable of making a single decision look i know i can be indecisive but what's the harm in taking a few extra minutes to find the perfect chidi so that is the point at which uh, an air conditioner falls out of a high window and lands oh, yeah. on Cheedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Having taken a few extra yeah. minutes. So the yeah, harm yeah. of standing outside his apartment trying to figure out which bar is the best one to go to for half an hour, isn't, it's not necessarily yeah. predictable what the harm in that will be, but yeah. it's also not a good idea to assume there isn't any. And arguing, yeah. you know, what, what's the harm suggesting that there isn't any harm in it is shown in that case to be not true. So our last example in this section yep. is from Seinfeld. And this Yikes. is one where um, Jerry is confused about why his date wouldn't share a pie with him. Maybe you said something that offended her. The only thing I could think of is I told her we should have those moving walkways all over the city. Like at the airport? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. Tell me about it. We could be sipping all over the place. They could at least try it. They never try anything. What's the harm? No harm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the harm in at least trying? I mean, putting at least trying to have moving walkways. <laughs> Absolutely, all over, all the, over the city. Yeah. yeah. So the harm in this case, arguably, is a financial one rather than any harm like right it, i mean there's arguably unforeseen harms in in people traveling faster but equally the the cost of trying it would be enormous yeah. so well, i'm thinking of stuff getting trapped down oh there's the, all there's there's lots of potential of harms yeah. but 
But the, the reason for not trying it, the other side of that yeah. cost-benefit analysis, even if it would uh, be the cost. beneficial, yeah, yeah. is the actual yeah. cost of yeah. doing it. So yeah. that's why they don't just try stuff. They never try things. <laughs> what's, uh, the no, try, no. just, what's the harm? What's the harm? Just try it. Just try it. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. You see, I think what we should do when we play this game is just forget all the rules, right? Just just do away with the structure of the game and just let me win. I mean, what? <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? Where's the harm in just ignoring the structure and the rules around a game and gameplay? Just just give me the win. Yeah. I mean, the harm, arguably, would yeah. be that our lovely listeners would not get to experience your agony in trying to decide, which I know they well, enjoy. That, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so, I think that it would be harmful, yeah. but... You know, yeah, but then I wouldn't have to suffer the agony. <laughs> you could just go, yeah, whatever it is you, you say, yeah, you just won. Yeah, mm. we're going to give it. We, we're, let's assume that you've won. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> let's see. It's, it's not, let's, let's just try. The trouble is we don't try things. We, we worry too much about the costume. Let's just leap before we look. Uh-huh. Yeah. So our theme this week is yep. times when Trump went into some detail sometimes about about weather and climate and stuff. Oh, and okay. And like expressed yeah. his deep understanding of why these things are issues. Right. <laughs> right. Statement okay. number one. In my opinion, you have a thing called weather and you go up and you go down. If you look into the 1920s, they were talking about global freezing, okay? In other words, the globe was going to freeze. And then they go global warming. Then they couldn't use that because the temperatures were actually quite cool. And many different things, so that now they just talk about climate change. The climate has always been changing. And many different things. In my opinion, you have a thing called weather. That's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's like, yeah, has anyone ever noticed that US spells us? <laughs> In my opinion, you have a thing called weather. What? Okay. All right. Statement number mm-hmm. two. Uh-huh, yep. This wind is really, it's stronger than anyone's seen in a very long time. I was talking to someone, the head of a major country, and he said they don't have winds like this because the problem is it's the tropics. It's so wet there and the water makes the storms worse and stronger and faster and then they come here and that's where we have a problem. Okay, yeah. If only you knew to call it El Nino, yeah. The pro- it's the tropics. The problem is the tropics. And statement number three. Over there. Uh, Yeah, okay. With regard to Mm -hmm. the forest, when trees fall down, (laughs) after a short period of time, about 18 months, they've become very dry. They become really like a matchstick. And they get up, you know, there's no more water pouring through. And they become very, very, uh, they just explode. (laughs) They can explode. Also, leaves. Leaves. When you have years of leaves, dried leaves on the ground, it just sets it up. It's really a fuel for a fire. It's just thought that. Ah, also leaves. (laughs) Ah, this is how much knowledge I have. Leaves. It's a whole root and branch thing. What the hell? Okay. Oh, my God. 
Um, so I've got, I've, yeah, I've just, just to clarify, I've got to choose one that isn't isn't Trump batshit, but is made up to. Okay, right. Oh God, nineteen twenties, global freezing. Mm. Um, well, that that kind of chimes with. I read there was a a series of magazines that my dad collected in the 60s called Understanding Science and there was um, one that was particularly fascinating where they predicted that winter would move because of the way that the earth rotated and so that's to me chimes with that so is that does that make it real, or is that just some cognitive bias? <laughs> Going, oh yeah, no, I know about that. Yeah, <laughs> in the same way that Trump knows about that. <laughs> um, okay, so I quite like the trees fall down. Also, leaves. It's it's. A, <laughs> okay, all right, so. The tropics, it's so wet. The present, mm. all right. So, I think then that mm, the wind is triggered. Number two is the one you made up, okay. So, the other two, which mm. are you more convinced by? More convinced by regard to the forest trees fall down 18 months, okay. Leaves. And number yeah. three, yeah, it's real with regard to the uh, forest when trees fall down after. A short period of time, about 18 months, they become very dry. They become really like a matchstick. And they get up, you know, there's no more water pouring through. And they become very, very, uh, they just explode. They can explode. Also, leaves. When you have years of leaves, dried leaves on the ground, it just sets it up. It's really a fuel for a fire. Why is he, where does this come from after a short period of time? He just speaks... He's so convinced by his own uh-huh. knowledge, isn't he? Yeah. With the, and where where does that come from? But it's because he comes at realised we know because reading Mary Trump's book, it's just come from. Has he been bullshitting for so long, knowingly bullshitting for so long, that now, that he has internalised the hype, so that the bullshit is just. The, his brain just presents his stuff and he doesn't question it. He I just, think you're being goes, very unfair yeah, it, whatever. in assuming he doesn't have a deep understanding of the of, mechanism of, the of a forest. forest fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been... He's, he's, he's studied been this studying. at length. Absolutely, he's yeah, yeah. studied it at length, yeah. yeah he's talked to yeah. experts about it and, and yeah. learned. Yeah. yeah, well, he doesn't need to because he's the lead, world's yeah, leading yeah. expert. Yeah. Also leaves... Also leaves. That that whole the whole notion of osmosis, which he's distilled, (laughs) ha ha, down to you know, there's no more water pouring through, and they become very, uh, they just explode. Yeah, trees, trees, exploding trees all over the place, like a matchstick. I think he's 
it, in his cartoon head, he's gone, oh, yeah, it's like a matchstick. So one end is that big sulfurous uh-huh. red blob, which would just explode if yeah. you walk past it with a particularly abrasive jacket. Also, it would just leaves. Go, also, <laughs> oh, leaves. He <laughs> takes himself by surprise. <laughs> so you also <sighs> think number one is real? Yeah, that, uh, you can go up, you can go down. Just like the weather. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And number mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Is real. In my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. you have a thing called weather, and you go up <laughs> and you go down. If you look into the 1920s, they were talking about uh, global freezing. Okay. In other words, the globe was going to freeze. Really? And then they go global warming. Then they couldn't use that because the temperatures were actually quite cool and uh, many different things. So that, now they just talk about climate change. The climate's always been changing. I uh, many. <laughs> And many different things. <laughs> Just <can't. laughs> and they go, and they couldn't use that because uh, uh, the temperatures are calling, and and, uh, uh, and many different things. Yeah. yeah. How can you, you? As a, he's a, he was, the man in charge of the free world, and all he, all he could think of was. Oh, yeah, and some other stuff, many different things. So, yeah, so what's the basis of this, um, this, this theory about climate change, Donald? Is it based on a lot of scientific research? No, it's, yeah, they came up with stuff and uh, lots of other things, many different things. What? What? Is it true about the 1920s? No, Are not really. Are they talking about global freezing? No, the... the um... No. The temperatures, global temperatures fell from about 1940 to 1980. Oh. So it wasn't until the 70s that, that scientists started talking about global cooling, not freezing. But, okay. But yeah, the, the kind yep. of speculative papers of is there going to be a new ice age type of thing came out of the 70s. Oh. A NASA scientist called Stephen Schneider wrote a paper in 1971. And so some stuff came out of there. But from but even in within the 70s, Schneider was saying... All we know is things are changing. We see mm. effects from CO2. We don't know. In 1977, he said, we just don't know at this stage whether we're in for warming or cooling or when. Yeah. And a, a 1975 report from the US National Academy of Sciences said, we need more research on what's going on, basically. That that was the level of consensus that there was among the scientific community, even up to the 70s, was stuff's changing, we don't fully understand it. We need more information in order to But start also there was the, the Anthropocene. The effects of the human race mm. on the global climate were being, ex- being explored then with the greenhouse gases and CFCs. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. all yeah. in agreement that we were changing stuff. What they weren't yet agreeing on is how those changes would manifest. Right. This was pre even the ozone layer hole mm-hmm. in the eighties and things like that. They they were just yeah. they weren't clear about what the effects of increased CO two or other greenhouse gases were yet. Yeah. By the eighties and nineties, that was already changing and people were, were saying, Okay, what we're seeing it actually is the starts of rise in sea temperatures and yeah. melting of ice caps potentially down the road and that kind of stuff. And it hasn't changed since then. There hasn't been disagreement within the scientific community since the kind of 80s and 90s about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Even if he was right that in the 20s they said it was cooling, 
if he had if yeah. they had that they would have been right because it the, yeah. the temperatures did drop it was the temperatures yeah. did drop yeah. from the 40s to the 80s but yeah that, it wasn't freezing the fact that si- that's yeah that, that that scientific opinion changes as a result of research yeah. and absolutely things that are happening in the world is how science works yes and you can't dismiss it by saying oh yeah because you know before humans were around there was an ice age and and you know at some time in the distant future the sun will explode and we'll all burn to a crisp yeah so you know it's climate change nonsense he's confused Uh, weather and climate before i think i've you you got me he's confused (laughs) yeah i'm on board Um, there yeah yeah. whether he has doesn't he yeah weather isn't climate in my opinion you have a thing called weather weather yeah you go up and down yes yeah yeah which you can go up and down what the fuck and yes there is a thing called weather it's not your opinion. There is a thing called, it's fact, facts. But I'm entitled to my opinion. Well, your opinion yes. in this case, your yeah. opinion was correct. And that number two was oh, fake news. Yay. Yo. As far as I know, he hadn't attempted to explain tropical storms like that. It won't be long now. The people on Facebook and Patreon have done a pretty right. good job, as you did this right. week, of, of identifying it. Although professing on what basis? that it's hard. Right. But guessing for number two in, in many cases. So on Patreon, yeah. we've got Kaz Tui. Yeah. saying, holy crap, he has the potential to have spouted all of these deranged opinions, but three is madness, <laughs> so I truly have no idea. Going for two, pure guess. Oh, uh, okay. Three is madness, you're right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Renee yeah. says, going for two is fake news. Calling climate weather and mentioning exploding trees seems Trumpian. <laughs> exploding trees, I know, it's uh, just brilliant. Yeah. Nick says, yeah. one's tempting because I don't think Trump has ever had an opinion. <laughs> Nothing but opinion. But I'm going to go with two... Because this sounds too much like he's agreeing that there is climate change. Right. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hugh said uh, he got it so spectacularly and confidently wrong last time. He's wary to opine, but he will in the certain knowledge this is a safe space. I think number two is fake news. I'm sure oh, that I remember saying, okay. uh, DT saying one and three back in the day. So there you go. Ah. The head of the major country seems like a thing Jim might make up to sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah colleen says i'm guessing two is fake news because i think it's impossible for him to discuss wind without ranting about windmills yeah fair fair enough yeah yeah (laughs) his head would explode like the dry trees yeah invisible unicorn (laughs) went for one being fake seems most coherent stephen bickle says i'm going for number two this time doesn't seem to support anything he would be interested in Anders right. said number three is fake, and I'm about as clueless about this being fake or real as DJ Trump would be about uh, a climate debate. And <laughs> yeah. and Will said, honestly can't tell. Christ wept, that man is an idiot. Absolute word salad. <laughs> Every time he opens his gaping orange anus of a mouth. And the- <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and on uh, Excellent. Facebook... We've got yeah. Andrew says, I hope he wouldn't say trees explode, but he probably did. One sounds yeah. like the usual anti-climate change argument, so I'm going with two. Uh, okay. Right. Fennec says, uh, you've really outdone yourself this time. They're all wonderfully horrible. I can hear his stupid voice as I read it. His choice. Brilliant. Uh, I reckon uh, three is yeah. fake news because yeah. it's too close to what I recall him saying about raking the floors of the forest. Mike agrees right. three is fake. Sounds a little too intelligent for him. Talking about exploding trees. Yeah. And Ben says, I really wanted to hear him say number three. <laughs> though it does sound fake right. number two is the one you yeah. made so there we go quite a good that, good record from yeah. the social contestants mainly my reasoning I just want to hear him say it <laughs> so I just kind of like choose well, those that means 
that you oh. have won hey! again. I mean, Am I, th- I this ahead is getting... of the curve now? Oh, yeah, definitely. You're above 50%. Oh, I think, right. I think it's eight in a row. I could be wrong. Is it? But, is yeah, it? It's just... Oh, I, I mean, no. it's, you're well, I'm going to subscribe to the, what you're doing. the gambler's fallacy. Yeah, I'm going to go, well, yeah, we're just on a roll. Yeah. Let's just keep going. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Good God. There you go. Look at that. And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Proffer Videos Are Not a Logical Fallacy. Because... It's, it's an odd collection of a, yeah, things, yeah. isn't it? This? Basically, yeah. when the various Trump co-defendants pled guilty, yeah. they all had to do a proffer session with the DA right. to talk about what kind of information they could give to yeah. the prosecutors to kind of make it worth their while accepting a plea, basically, rather than taking them to, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to trial. Yeah. And those proffer sessions were recorded... Right. And uh, that material formed part of the discovery in the cases of their co-defendants. Yeah, and so that material was those videos were given to the lawyers of all of the various co-defendants in the uh, this is the Georgia case, the the yep. um, Fonnie Willis yep. election interference, uh, uh, etc case with how many co-defendants like 20 or something it's a ridiculous number of co-defendants yeah 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 those uh videos were then released to um either the washington post or abc they both reported Mm -hmm. about it on the same day yeah and at the time there was it wasn't clear how they'd got hold of them but they got them they released them and uh it later turned out that it was the lawyer of Misty Hampton, one of the co-defendants, who admitted in court to having uh, given those videos to one uh, media organisation. They didn't say who. Wow. So they gave those out. The prosecutors since put a, a request into the judge to prevent any further release of discovery material. Right. And the judge said, yeah, this, you know, that yes, there is a kind of public interest in this. Yeah, and yep. this some of this information is information that is definitely of, of of interest to the public, and and is stuff that the press has a right to report on. But mm-hmm. um, some discovering material won't necessarily make it to trial. Some it will be right. excluded uh, in evidence, and so yep. there is an argument that some material could could end up being reported on and in the public domain. And potential jurors could see it when actually it's material that would get excluded in co- in the course of the trial and and in course of of deciding right. on what evidence is relevant and what evidence is in fact just allowed to be part of the decision making process of the jury. So because of that, yeah. the judge yeah. Scott McAfee has said, "Yeah, no more releasing any discovery at all, mm-hmm. anyone." Mm-hmm. So this is what we get. This is you know we've got these. Mm-hmm. These are out already. Yeah, but we're not going to get any more. Of this kind of stuff, right? At least, unless people decide to, and I guess also break it's, the rules. It's, it's the basis of their plea bargains, mm-hmm. and as such, might not end up being in the trial itself because it's just stuff that allows the judge to say, "Okay, yes, I you've given me sufficient information for you to get a deal. We'll work out a deal." Yeah. 
But well, there might be some of some of them where they just went, well, no, you've not given me any any information that isn't just garbled nonsense. <laughs> and, no, I mean they, they, they not have used, not useful at all. They've all been given their pleas. You know, they they had their like for example, Sydney Powell had her charges knocked down to misdemeanors and right. no jail time and things like that. So they've all yeah. had some benefit from giving this information to prosecutors. Right. Um, and the information is able to be used, certainly in terms of asking them when they testify, because they've all agreed to testify against their co-defendants mm-hmm. as part of their deals. Yeah. So this this session, this proffer session, will have been something so that they can then ask those questions when they're on the stand and expect to get right. those answers. And if they get different answers, okay. then they potentially could be accused of perjury, etc. Yeah. So the fact that these yeah. proffer sessions are videoed means that the prosecutor's know what these people are likely to say when they ask them questions in court. It's kind of like a deposition in advance where they are not going to be hostile and not trying to hide anything because they want to get the best deal, so they're giving up the information that they have. Right. So what we had was videos of Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, Scott Hall and Ken Cheesebro. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I think were um, reported on the most were Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell because they were the first to come out. Right. And the main thing that I saw, at least, of Jenna Ellis' one mm. is of a conversation that she had with Dan Scavino, Trump's deputy mm. chief of staff. This is in December, I think, when yep. he was saying what was going to happen, basically, that they were going to stay in power. Right. And and she said, well, you know, that's not how it works, don't you? When he said, you know, we're just not... So, this, is a com- so this is a conversation she's having with Scavino yeah. about what Trump... He's going to do. So it's kind of like the plan that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Scavino is saying the, essentially the, the boss, yeah. Trump, is is right. not is not going to leave the White House. Right. Under any <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Jenna Ellis said, well, like, that's not how it works. You know, yeah, it there's, doesn't work like there's, that. There's a you process. get voted out, man. You've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, not happening. Uh, yeah. And she says, and he said to me, you know, in kind of an excited tone, well, we don't care and we're not going to leave. Whoa. <laughs> So this is evidence that there was a plan in in the Trump team that they were going to subvert the process. That they, even though they they either believed they'd won or recognised that they'd lost, but they knew that there was a process by which Biden would take power, and they were prepared and expecting to subvert that process because they don't care because they're not going to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wow. That's not not great. For Trump. It's not, no, <laughs> it's not great. That's the stuff of, well, I don't know. We've seen that in the history of communist leaders. We've seen it in you know, sort of the bits in the middle of Africa, uh, which call themselves democratic and uh-huh. republic. Yeah, yeah. And, and either that is bits in South America that are a bit like that. And you think, no, it's not right. That's... The stuff, and maybe in the in the Far East, it's the stuff of despots. Yeah. So to see it where they just go, yeah, yeah, and they go, yeah, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, because <laughs> we're just going to stay here. We're not going to leave, and then we're going to make up things to, to to. But it's kind of odd that whilst they decided they're just not going to leave, he's going to stay there forever. They're still trying to work out ways within the system to subvert the system in yep. a kind of recognisable, systematic way. Why would they even bother? Why wouldn't they just say, 
yeah, what we're going to do is just put up a big fence, yeah, and we'll have lots of guns, yeah, and yeah. we'll and yeah. then we'll go, yeah, you won't take me alive, copper. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. at that point the Secret Service might have been on Biden's side, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and arguably yeah. the National Guard. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Gerard Butler from the uh, Olympus Has Fallen mm. films, mm. he'd also <laughs> be doing mm. something. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they did have various tactics. Right. Uh, one of which was the, the fake elector scheme, which uh, yes. Um, yes, John yes. Eastman wrote the memo on. In fact, Ken Cheesebro was instrumental in kind of setting that up. But but John yeah. Eastman, I think, wrote the, the main memo. He's just recently been begging for money because he is complaining that his legal bills are depleting his wife's retirement fund. <laughs> oh, fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah. Well, I hope his wife was coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Hey, wait, <laughs> hello. Yeah. And she tried desperately to close down their joint accounts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, hey. you can always plead guilty. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. then you yeah. have a lot less legal bills. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, it hasn't touched his funds. His <laughs> no, no, no. Funds. no he's <laughs> dipping directly yeah. into his wife's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. she's uh-huh. gonna have nothing to yeah. nothing to live on yeah. if we go on like this. Yeah, <laughs> so, me, I'll be fine. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. fine. I'll live on a golf course. Yeah. But um, yeah, Cheesebro is one of the keys to linking that scheme to Trump because one of Trump's mm. defenses is that you know this this was all done behind the scenes. You know, I didn't know anything about the the, yeah, the fake yeah, electors, yeah. etc. That was all. That was all John Eastman and Ken Cheesebro. But yeah. Cheesebro in his proffer video talks about briefing Trump on on the whole scheme, essentially. The whole, uh, okay. Yeah. This is what we could do. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that kind of links Trump to that scheme mm-hmm. in a very real way. And in a similar way, although he doesn't link Trump to it, Scott Hall talks about the Coffee County thing where they were trying to infiltrate the yeah. voting machines. Uh, he he claimed, uh, according to the Washington Post, this is Hall claimed that his role in the alleged breach of election equipment in Coffee County was simply that of a political tourist, and he spent ten thousand dollars <laughs> of his own money to fly there on January seventh, twenty twenty one, purely for shits and giggles. Yeah, but, <laughs> but then complained that he wasn't reimbursed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go, yeah, a political tourist. There's no such thing. So, yeah, I'll just go. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I was just going to have a look for a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ten thousand. <laughs> what? The, yeah. The real scam is from the the airline. I said, why is it so expensive to yeah, fly yeah. into Georgia from Washington? Yeah, I don't know. Is, is it? Is it? Is there a premium for <laughs> voting week? Wow. But um, he did also $10,000. He'd been trying to claim $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been upholding, he's been maintaining that it's cost $10,000. You you're having a laugh, aren't you? It doesn't cost that. Air, air record, yeah. Virgin Atlantic or whatever, $635. <laughs> Where'd you get the 10000 from? Yeah. Uh, but he did also implicate uh, Robert Cheely, who is one right. of the other co-defendants who had not previously directly been linked to uh, the harassment of the election workers Seamus and Ruby uh-huh. Freeman yep. before I think it was mostly Harrison Floyd who had been involved in that and one other uh, defend, co-defendant whose name I forget at the moment but Hall said that he had been engaged by Chile to help locate Ruby Freeman because he's a, 
probably wow. because Scott Hall is a bail bondsman and therefore kind of has some experience of tracking yeah, people yeah, down, yeah. locating people. Yeah, yeah. So before that, they I don't think, or at least there's not been any public information that linked Chile directly to that scheme. Yeah. So crikey! So there's a there's a bit of bus under throwing going on. Yeah. Well, I mean that's kind of the point of the proffer. Yeah. Uh, sessions yeah, because yeah, if, yeah. if you can't if if they're not getting any information which is going to help them to prosecute people who are still defendants yeah. there's no benefit to them yeah if you're just admitting to all the stuff you did that's yeah. that's good you know it's good that you yeah, admit that, to it <laughs> and what, they don't have to prove it, is, yeah. but it but it's not benefiting them and so they don't really have to give you a a, a lower sentence beyond the right. fact that yeah. that is your incitement to tell them what you know yeah, yeah the fact that you know stuff about other people is really yeah. what gets you the jail it's free kind of, yeah it's time. Kind of, yeah it's it's kind of feels a little bit uncomfortable having lived through you know in a world we now live in a world where mccarthy existed <laughs> so it feels a bit yeah so can you yeah, we know you're a communist, but can you name four or five other people and then the, we'll be yeah. less harsh on you but the thing it just is, feels a little bit. Yeah, the thing is, yeah. these are criminals, and okay. they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. This isn't. They aren't <laughs> being sought out. Thieves. Yeah, yeah, because they are yeah. gay or or have political leanings. In the uh, these are being yeah, these are yeah, people who yeah. are being prosecuted because they committed because crimes. They've broken the law. Yeah. yeah. No, so so enough. the fact that yeah. they are then saving the taxpayer money by avoiding trials, yeah. A, yeah. accepting convictions on certain counts which in some cases at least not necessarily in all cases will result in their disbarment and, and inability to continue to practice law doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily follow many that of them be a good will thing. probably yeah. yeah um that means if that, they broke the law in the pursuance of their career as a lawyer then you ought to kind of go yeah, yeah you would hope you would hope would, that would yeah, be a given yeah but yeah uh, no, it's not. It's not, not automatic. Apparently, they then have to have hearings about whether to remove their, oh their law God, license. Really? Yeah, really? yeah. Wow. But yeah, the fact that they are giving up other criminals, I did. Yeah. I think does separate it out. Then they're, they're not trying to avoid being drummed out of public society by doxing yeah, yeah, yeah. or outing other yeah. communists yeah. or gay people. So just just to name other criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. It's not a, such a bad thing. Yeah. Tale as old as time. I'm reassured. <laughs> I, I shouldn't feel quite so creepy about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, the whole I'm reason. Glad it, it's, happening. it's the reason there is a plea deal system. It's the reason not everyone right. goes to trial. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's because yeah. you can use people who were involved in less serious crimes to to talk to, about people to, that were yeah, involved in more serious prosecute crimes. Yeah, more serious criminals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm all for it. I've changed my mind completely. <laughs> yeah. So basically, from these, we've got more information about what happened we've got sydney powell talking about how much trump absolutely knew well she says she said his instinct was that he had won but that a lot yeah. of people around him were telling him that he had lost that he was being told repeatedly by people that you know worked yeah. for him and supposedly trusted that he had lost and when she was asked why he kept following people like her and giuliani she yeah. said essentially that it was because they were the only people that was telling him what he wanted to hear. Right. And that, that it is, was... It is. I'm, I'm sort of troubled by Powell because she looks, ostensibly, she looks like a 
a sensible older woman that's uh-huh. kind of an ex- experienced she politician. She looks a bit like my old granny. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah but she was an out-and-out racist. Oh, <laughs> she was. Yeah. <laughs> Awful racist. Yeah. 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 She reflected the boys of her time. <laughs> Didn't know you knew her. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, but I'm kind of, you look at Powell and you think, yeah, that's, yeah, because well, I've watched too much West Wing, that's what it is. <laughs> so kind of uh, older women politicians, you'd kind of think, yep, they would have experienced all of this stuff and they would kind of look at it with, a, you know, a slightly cynical eye with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek and they go, yeah, yeah, we know what you're doing. I've been through this. But she seems to be completely pro-Trump. Oh, she's utterly a, batshit. A big consp- yeah, yeah, had a big, big, you know, tinfoil hat kind of wearer. Yeah. And, and I'm... And I don't know what it is that I found it particularly <laughs> shocking that she was to, perhaps it's because she reminded me of your grandmother. So, <laughs> so I was you know, I'm so I'm surprised that so that such a venerable person <laughs> would be yeah yeah would be saying such outrageous things. No, I mean yeah. she even within the the session where she is admitting to all the crimes, she is right. still saying that she believes that there was machine fraud that mm. that stuff was dodgy about the yeah. voting machines and that um you know stuff like that and, and even then had not not admitting to her role in the coffee county infiltration yeah. into the machine she wasn't prepared to talk about that bit which which i found a bit surprising ah. that they then that bit of her prosecution they were still like yeah fine we'll let you let you just they plead just, guilty yeah to they that. just let her not talk about that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, to be fair. I know she, she pled guilty to six misdemeanors, but I don't know what those misdemeanors specifically were right. based on what she was originally charged. But my understanding is that you can't plead guilty to something, you know, you can't enter a guilty plea without genuinely saying to the prosecutors, yes, I did this, I accept responsibility for it. Right. You know, if you say, yes, all right, I'll plead guilty, but I didn't do it, Governor. There's yeah. like that's not yeah. that's not allowed. The court won't yeah. accept it. No, you, you are accepting your yeah. uh, your guilt, and so yeah. I'm guessing that one of the things she pled guilty to wasn't that, because otherwise right. I don't think uh, they yeah. I don't see how they'd be able to accept a guilty yeah. plea if in the yeah. proffer session she's saying that she wasn't yeah. involved. The problem with the Powell thing is that at some point the prosec- the defendants. Defence counsel will surely seize on the fact that she says he was convinced. His gut instinct was that he won. Yeah. So rather than being able to to light upon the fact that he knew that he had lost and that, you know, Cheeseborough's account of, yeah, so we're going to do all of these things to make sure that it appears that, he, that he's won... Um, the fact, not the fact, Powell's opinion that Trump thought that he had won, somehow they'll seize upon that and say, well, so he was ignorant of this. It was, uh, he thought he had won. So he's not deliberately perverting the course of justice by making people do these things to prove otherwise. Yeah, but so, the thing yeah. is, there's there's a few issues with that. First of all, is that yeah. the 
they have an enormous amount of, of evidence that shows that he was told multiple times that he didn't win. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a certain amount of willful ignorance that you're um, not allowed, basically. If you, yeah. if, if everything points to you being wrong about something and you still say, well, I still believe it, there's, there's a yeah. point at which the <laughs> yeah. judge and jury yeah. are like, yeah, I don't think you really did yeah. believe it. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, even if you fully believe something, there you still can't necessarily commit a crime based on that. <laughs> on the Clean Up on Our 45 uh, podcast, they talk about uh, a bank robber. If you if you believe that the money in the bank is yours, doesn't matter how much yeah. you believe it, you still can't hold it up at gunpoint and demand the money. Yeah, just give me my money. Yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter if you absolutely, really, truly, genuinely in your heart and mind believe it, that's yeah. still a crime. And And in yeah. the same way, it doesn't matter at all how much Trump believed he was robbed of this election and that it was rigged yeah yeah he still wasn't allowed to do the stuff he did that's still yes. against the law there are processes yeah. if you believe it and and you do it by a legal process and he went through those processes and he lost 61 times out of 62 <laughs> in court yeah and yeah. the one he won was that people in philadelphia were allowed to stand a bit nearer and sneeze on people who were counting ballots yeah. <laughs> All of the attempts in a, an actual legal process in court to say these things were not done correctly and should have been done differently, the courts said, no, that's not, they all, that's they not all the case. They were all done fine. Or, yeah. or yeah. this, you know, you're, you're doing this wrong <laughs> in, in, yeah. like, in questioning it. And yeah. yeah, so it doesn't mean you then get to just commit a crime because... You feel hard done by. <laughs> yeah, of that. Well, the, my other, also my other worry is that uh, the Ellis testimony is about a conversation that she had with Scavino. So Scavino's um, enthusiasm, saying, "Yeah, it doesn't matter what's going on because we're just not going to leave." Um, it's is it dismissible because it's hearsay? I would argue it probably is hearsay. Yeah, there's a lot of right. exceptions to hearsay. Right. So it's not it's not automatically dismissible, but I don't think it probably falls into any of the exceptions. Yeah, it would be it's it's reported speech by her of a conversation that she had. So so it doesn't it wouldn't if it was being introduced to offer proof of the fact that Trump was not prepared to leave the Oval Office, I don't think it would get through. Yeah. It would, right. And that yeah. is an example, arguably, of the kind of material that therefore has been put out to the public, could potentially influence a, a, a potential juror, but wouldn't necessarily make it into the trial. Right. If if introduced. So, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that Judge McAfee was talking about. And also would lead to the court process calling Scavino to come and say that would be an opportunity we, for them. We, yeah. 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 That yeah. that's how yeah. they would deal with that because the yeah one of the things about hearsay is the reason that it's not allowed is because it isn't the best kind of evidence if you're saying if mm. if you have a person saying what another person said that isn't as yeah. good as hearing it from the person who said it so yeah. yeah yeah that the fact that it's in her proffer video would give the prosecution reason to then call scavino to the stand and ask him did you have this yeah. conversation you know what did you say why did you think that trump didn't want to leave the office and you know did he say anything to you about it and so on which would then arguably be cross-examined and be an opportunity to ask trump that question if he was called to the stand so there's ways to introduce that evidence that aren't 
getting Jenna Ellis to describe a conversation she had with someone about a thing that Trump thought. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, the kind of that we were giving these naked, raw, proper video footage is an insight into how the system works mm-hmm. rather than giving us a view of the evidence that pro- that's been provided. So whilst the stuff is won't stand up in a court of law, it actually reveals the process that's going on behind the scenes in order to make sure that the stuff that's presented to a jury is robust and yeah. would stand up in a court of law. So yeah. we're in a way we're, we're granted the privilege to see this stuff, but we shouldn't gain too much fear or too much excitement <laughs> at the same time from watching them other other than that it's hilarious to watch and yeah. also terrifying <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and finally some things we really don't have time to talk about a colorado judge ruled last week that trump can stay on the state's republican primary ballot and unusually the decision is being appealed by both the winning and losing sides the Trump team liked the fact that he can still run but weren't so keen on Judge Sarah Wallace's ruling that Trump did in fact incite an insurrection. <laughs> Given Section 3 of the 14th Amendment's prohibition on anyone who engaged in insurrection holding any office under the United States, you might be wondering, what the fuck? And I don't blame you. The hair-splitting in the judge's 102-page decision hinges on whether the president is an officer of the United States. She, along with, to be fair, some legal scholars who aren't even crazy, says no. <laughs> you see, the 14th Amendment specifies people who, as an office holder, took an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. Whereas the presidential oath of office doesn't include support while promising to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution. Because clearly, those clever folk who amended the Constitution in the wake of the Civil War decided it was crucial to prevent the Inspector General of the Railroad Retirement Board from serving another term after trying mm-hmm. to overthrow the democratically elected government. But if the President does it, that's A-O-fucking-K. That's the one and only federal government job that we want to make absolutely sure is always open to traitors. I don't know about you, but I'm not convinced. <laughs> The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labour and Pensions last Tuesday weirdly began to look like one of those ritualistic weigh-ins where the two opponents ostensibly are being weighed to check that they are equally matched before the bout takes place. And actually it turns into a pre-match match where, for the benefit of the cameras, the two adversaries take part in the running of the mouths to amp up the hype for the upcoming bout. It's weird because in the red corner was Mark Wayne Mullin, an actual U.S. Republican senator from Oklahoma, who read out a tweet where he thought blue corner occupant, Labour leader of the Teamsters Union, Sean O'Brien, had insulted him with, quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. And Mullins respond in the hearing with decorum and restraint as befits an elected lawmaker. This is the time. This is the place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. And O'Brien, a seasoned negotiator and actual grown man, responded with, yeah, okay, that's fine. Perfect. (laughs) 
And Mullin, a former MMA fighter, continued with, you want to do it now? And O'Brien responded with, love to. At which point Mullin instructed, him, well, stand your butt up then. And O'Brien, a former playground child, came back with, you stand your butt up, big guy. <laughs> and it took the adult in the room slash on playground duty, Bernie Sanders, who is so reasonable and calm that he's labelled an extremist these days to point out to Mullin, sit down, sit down, you're a United States senator. <laughs> and meanwhile, in the red corner elsewhere, Kevin McCarthy, who's a Republican for California, brushed past Tim Burchett, who's a Republican for Tennessee, and allegedly shoved him, according to the NPR correspondent witness the scuffle. Why'd you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? And Burchett yelled and then ran after McCarthy, adding, what kind of chicken move is that? You're pathetic, man. You're so pathetic. McCarthy later denied to the Associated Press that the altercation happened on the grounds that if I hit somebody, <laughs> they would know it. If I kidney punched someone, they would be on the ground. And around the same time that was happening, Representative James Comer, Republican for Kentucky, was using his time in a House Oversight Committee hearing to angrily tell Representative Jared Moscovich, who's a Democrat for Florida, you look like a smurf. Whilst technically, Jared, it is blue, it doesn't bode well as an indicator of the behaviour of people who are supposed to be in control of the administration when they can't even control themselves. As the Washington Post pointed out, notwithstanding Sanders' effort at cleaning up the place, the stains are just becoming part of the couch. Trump never met a national holiday he couldn't make all about him and his petty grievances <laughs> and found two opportunities this month to attack his enemies in lieu of a unifying message to the nation. On Thanksgiving, he started his Truth Social post with Happy Thanksgiving to all, including the racist and incompetent Attorney General of New York State, <laughs> Letitia Peekaboo James, and went on to attack Judge Arthur Engron, his law clerk, Joe Biden, and all of the other radical left lunatics, communists, fascists, Marxists, Democrats and rhinos who are seriously looking to destroy our country. Wow. But this was nothing compared to his Veterans Day speech, where he went full Godwin, saying, <laughs> We pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country that lie and steal and cheat on elections. Wow. Many commentators pointed out the parallels between this and that Hitler bloke, but Trump spokesman <laughs> Stephen Chung cleverly diffused the situation, saying, Those who try to make that ridiculous assertion are clearly snowflakes, grasping for anything because they are suffering from Trump derangement syndrome and their entire existence will be crushed when President Trump returns to the White House. Yeah, I always find the best way to detract from accusations of totalitarianism is a promise to crush your accuser's entire existence. Yeah. Obviously conscious that his message could be misinterpreted, Chung later clarified that he didn't mean to say their entire existence. What he meant, and I wish I was making this up for comedy purposes, was their sad, miserable existence instead. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> that'll convince people. Yes. Nice. If there's one person you'd invite to the Homeland Security Committee to talk about cop stuff at the January 6th riotous insurrection, it'd be the director of the FBI, right? Sure enough, FBI Director Christopher Wray duly gave his testimony along the lines of 
If you're asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6 was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically no, which was not good enough for Republican batshit conspiracy theorist and Louisiana Representative Clay Higgins, who asked, as if it was leading to a gotcha, do you know what a ghost vehicle is? The director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? So when the director of the FBI says incredulously, a ghost bus? I'm, I'm not sure I'd heard that term before. You kind of take that as gospel. However, Higgins knew better. Okay, it's a pretty common in law enforcement. It's a vehicle that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. He's been playing too much of that Simpsons hit-and-run driving game on the Xbox with those jokey blacked-out Windows surveillance vans, which are known colloquially as definitely not law enforcement <laughs> vehicles. He proceeded to think he was going to checkmate Ray by showing him a photo which was straight out of the School of the Four Seasons Landscaping Evidence Division of a fairly nondescript bus depot with, yeah, guess what, fairly nondescript buses. The two buses in the middle of which, apparently, were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, Higgins said. These buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters deployed onto our capital on January 6th. Adding to a somewhat befuddled FBI director, your day is coming, Mr. Ray. Higgins, of course, because the right don't do funny, neglected to also add, in reference to the ghost buses, who are you going to call? <laughs> but I guess you can't have everything. This week, George Santos might actually become only the sixth member of Congress in history to be expelled, with a vote wow. due any day. This follows the release of a House Ethics Committee report which detailed even more of Santos's malfeasance, including stealing money from donors by charging their credit cards without permission. When it was revealed that the conman, sorry, congressman spent this and other campaign money on designer clothes, luxury travel, OnlyFans subscriptions no. and over $3,000 worth of Botox, Santos no. had neither the decency nor the facial flexibility to look embarrassed. <laughs> Instead, he went on a three-hour rant on Twitter spaces where he called the chair of the Ethics Committee a pussy and claimed that the reason he won't be running for re-election is that he doesn't want to work with a bunch of hypocrites anymore, saying, wow. I have colleagues who are more worried about getting drunk every night with the next lobbyists that they're going to screw and pretend like none of us know what's going on and sell off the American people not to show up to vote because they're too hungover or whatever the reason is or not show up to vote at all and just give their cards out like fucking candy for someone else to vote for them. Wow. Now I'm conflicted because everything Santos has said since well before he got elected was a lie. But my confirmation bias tells me this might be the first true <laughs> thing he said. It does, after all, line up with reports from other reliable sources like Madison Cawthorn. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt this one time. <laughs> Meanwhile, George really should start using all his newfound free time to prepare for the 23-count federal trial currently set for next September. It's a proper rant, isn't it? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it has all the hallmarks of kind of being one of those true things that you would, you would rather say unless you went, you're angry. And then you go, oh, yeah, no, uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah. Oh, no, what have I said? Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to distract the voting public from the fact that the right keeps banging on about how old Biden is and yet Trump is only four years younger 
Why not tell everyone how very healthy you are and how your mental acuity is enough to run for another four terms in office if need be? Of course, you can't just truth it on Truth Social. that look a bit self-aggrandizing, even for Trump. No, far better to wheel out another personal physician <laughs> to tell everyone how healthy and well and shiny and tall and fit and handsome he is. So out on bail, 91 times indicted Republican frontrunner for President Donald Trump, who's lied about pretty much everything he's done, said, agreed to, bought, sold or had valued, is telling us things this time we're supposed to believe. The latest letter is apparently written by Dr. Bruce Aronwald, personal physician since 2021 and says Trump's in excellent health and that his cognitive exams were exceptional. The letter, however, does not include information about the types of tests that Trump took or what the results were. It doesn't include even basic information that Trump's physicians have shared in the past. Height, weight, cholesterol level, blood pressure. Yeah, do you think the cognitive exams might possibly include pictures of person, woman, man, camera, TV? <laughs> Could be. Whilst this is a different doctor from the one who in 2015 stated his physical strength and stamina are extraordinary. If elected, Mr. Trump, I can state unequivocally, will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Because nobody believes someone else could have had the same way of speaking as Trump. Yeah, it turned out the letter was dictated. Is it any more believable by the doubters it's aimed at? The devout Trump acolytes will, of course, swallow it whole. And perhaps they're the one it's for. Because constantly being reminded that he's old, fat, unhealthy and stupid just isn't enough for some voters. In one of those good news, bad news type things, Chicago's Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability has approved a new policy banning Chicago cops from active participation in right-wing extremist groups and hate groups. That is good, sure. Right. But why the fuck was that okay up to now? And why only active yeah. participation? How about no participation at all in racist, anti-Semitic, anti-LGBTQ type groups of any kind? I really don't feel like that's too much to ask of the people with guns and notoriously unreliable body cameras. On the plus side, this new policy is designed both to remove cops who are active in hate groups and also to prevent members of those groups becoming cops in the first place. On the negative side, there doesn't seem to be any system for removing cops who step away from participating in those hate groups following this policy, but still fully support and agree with those hate groups' hatred. So in conclusion, it fucking sucks that this policy is needed, it's good that it exists, and it won't solve the problem. At least they've noticed there's a problem, I guess. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... We in the UK were glad to see the back of Suella Braverman, who was indeed sacked by Rishi last Monday week. Sufficiently good news for my neighbour in France to come by <laughs> to tell me. <laughs> for a few brief hours, all was great until one David Cameron reappeared as the new Foreign Secretary after everyone was shuffled around to fill the gap left by Braverman and Theresa Coffey and various other ministers whose job titles seemed to be completely at odds with their abilities. Cameron is an odd choice, not least because he's not even an MP. He's not been elected to any position for seven years since his side lost the EU referendum and he resigned in 2016. 
He's been wandering in the wilderness ever since, failing to make any inroads on the bestseller list with his autobiography or gain any support from the government for his dodgy lobbying on behalf of a capital investment firm during the pandemic. To be a Secretary of State, Rishi had to hastily make Cameron a member of the House of Lords by just conferring a peerage on him. He was made Lord Chipping of Norton or something in a single day, much to Nadine <laughs> Doris's eternal chagrin, who was denied a peerage in Boris Johnson's resignation on his lists and took three months to resign with immediate effect in a huff. His appointment has at least brought the country and the Tory party together in being utterly dismayed by it. The right-wing Brexiteers are incensed that Cameron, a Remainer, is saying there should be stronger ties with the EU. Remainers are incensed because he's the clown that caused Brexit in the first place because he couldn't tell the right-wing of the party at the time to shut up but rather appease them with the promise of a referendum. Rishi is appeasing the right wing of the party by appoising a GB News presenter, Esther McVeigh, who will be minister without portfolio but the czar in charge of tackling wokery whatever that is. I think it's all the things to do with equality and fraternity and education around gender and allowing protests from pro-Palestinian groups as well as pro-Israeli groups. You know, all the things that normal people kind of say, yeah, fair enough. And the kind of things that Braverman wanted to shoot down, deport and send to Rwanda, even if it meant withdrawing from the European Human Rights Accord to do so. So, having got rid of Braverman because she don't like woke, he's now got an unelected person to be in charge of not liking woke and another unelected bloke to be in charge of all the things that he destroyed with a referendum. Still, because Rishi's the second Prime Minister not actually to be elected by any of the voting public, I don't suppose he gives a fuck. Oh, yeah, that's right, he doesn't. Duh. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patron, Scott, our strawman level patrons Laura Tomsick, Renee Zed, Schmutz, Mark Reiki, Amber Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED we could just call her Amber. Though another listener recognised her at QED this year because we kept using her full name all the time. And our true Scotsman level patrons Melissa Sytek, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, and our top patron Lauren. Thank you so much and welcome to our new patrons. Your support is very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>